Right, so after a million years, I can now say I am Kelly and this is Dex and you are listening to Kissing Without Lips. This is our podcast devoted to all things K-drama, C-drama, T-drama, J-drama, just basically all the dramas. Each week we will um, like talk about them. But this week, we're going to talk about what, Dex? We're going to talk about Crash Landing on You. So, Crash Landing on You is like a gateway drug, right? (laughs) It's for anybody wanting to get into dramas. This is probably the ultimate, in my opinion, of all of the K-drama series that translate best to the West. Would you agree with that statement? Yeah, definitely. And I also think that if you have seen Crash Landing on You, then you pretty much know what to expect from any other drama, in a way. Besides some some of the, the sort of like stereotypical uh, things that we see over and over in other dramas. And yeah, I think it covers every single kind of trope. Crash Landing doesn't have that, but it has the sort of overarching Uh, yeah, expectation from Ebony. Yeah, and it's also probably an all-time favourite of mine. In the run-up to recording our first podcast, I think it was the fourth or fifth time of watching Crash Landing on You. I love it that much. (laughs) I've only seen it two times now, and I wasn't as happy about it the second time that I was the first time though. I think all the other dramas I watched in between the first and the second viewing has sort of changed my taste a little bit. Okay, yeah, I suppose so. I can probably agree with that. But I still get lovely nostalgic vibes when I think about the first time I watched this drama. So we should probably get down to business and talk about who's in it, what it's about, and all that blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's not blah, 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 it's really interesting. (laughs) So let's get started, Dex. Give us a little overview of everything that we need to know about Crash Landing on You. Well, super short version would be, there is this wealthy businesswoman, she's very successful, She decides she's going to do like paragliding for some, uh, I don't know, marketing event, I guess it is. Um, So she do that and apparently there is tornadoes in Korea. Oh, wow. Uh, I've checked it out. They actually do have uh, sometimes tornadoes. But yeah, she gets um, tangled up in this tornado and swooshed off to North Korea where she falls on a very handsome cap. Mm. That's that's the super short version. So, it was made by Studio Dragon, I think, and it was put on the TVN network, which is a a large network in South Korea. They've got a really good pedigree and uh, obviously a back catalogue for producing these types of rich dramas, right? Yeah. There's 16 episodes in this uh, series 
16. Oh my gosh. And it aired from December the 14th, 2019 to I think February the 16th, 2020. And I think it came onto Netflix in sort of early 2020, which is when I picked it up, like the week that it launched. <laughs> in South Korea, it aired on Saturdays and Sundays. And each episode, this is what's important about Korean dramas especially, is that you don't just get sort of 30 to 45 minutes a drama on your TV. Oh no. Each episode is about one hour and 25 minutes long. Yes. So each episode is basically a movie. And that is like staggering for anybody coming to Korean drama for the first time. The 20 to 30 um, minute ones mm -hmm. would probably be more of a, like a web drama in that case. But this is like proper movie sized. And it makes you wonder how they're going to spin the story out for 16 episodes. It's mad. Especially when you think that a lot of Western dramas struggle to, to string a story out in half an hour. Wow. These folks are the masters at creating this type of story-based drama yeah. that actually goes somewhere. So it made total sense that when they announced that they were going to make this, that they cast, like, the titans of their generation in Korean drama. And with two, which actually became four, very strong leads. So in Korean drama's decks, there are two types of leads. There's the first male lead, and obviously the first female lead. And then there's the second male lead. Oh yes. <laughs> and in Crash Landing on You, we've got a second female lead too. But I guess over the course of the next few weeks, we'll talk about the role of the second male lead in more detail. But certainly in Crash Landing on You, they picked four of the best young actors of their generation, truly. So we've got Hyun Bin, Sonny Jin, So Ji Hee, and Kim Jung Hyun. The screenwriter was Park Ji Eun. I didn't know this. But tell me, what has Park Jeon done before Crash Landing on You? Yeah, she has written a lot of um, big dramas before, um, like Legends of the Blue Sea, The Producers, um, You Who Came to the Stars. All of them were like huge, huge dramas. So, And it was directed by the dude who did Criminal Minds. Yep. Life on Mars, the Korean version of Life on Mars, which is cool. And Romance's bonus book. Wow. This is like the Hollywood version or treatment of your regular Korean drama. So Crash Landing on You, we established, is about a wealthy businesswoman from the South. She meets a military captain who's also the son of a high-ranking politician from the North. And it's due to an unexplained natural event. <laughs> And which you quite rightly suggest happens naturally as a weather phenomenon in South Korea. And the main setting of the drama is obviously between North and South Korea, but actually it also features Switzerland, which is where I live. 
And even though Kissing Without Lips, our podcast, is a bit more of a, a sort of book club, we're not going to do any spoilers, but... We will try. I guess, yeah. My first question is, does everybody live happily ever after? Uh, sort of. Yeah, I think it's a sort of stroke no. <laughs> but there is definitely some, some tears and some laughter and some some swooning all wrapped up <laughs> swooning <laughs> i like it so let's talk about this sort of hollywood generation of of k drama that we see in crash landing on you dex because a lot of the dramas that we watch dex are like um a selection of big actors and idols you know and so if we talk about Hyun Bin for a minute mm. <laughs> yes let's he um, has had an interesting sort of career where he's been on top of his game sort of since day one he hasn't had to work his way up through like webtoons he, he literally crash landed <laughs> in Korean drama so the drama series that we all really remember especially me is Secret Garden. That's when we cried for the first time to Yeonbin. And when I saw him, Yeonbin, I was like, oh, he's nice. (laughs) (laughs) And then he disappears off the scene for a little bit. He goes off and does his military training, which, you know, you have to do in South Korea if you're a male aged between I don't know what it was. Is it like 18 and and uh, 30 or something like that? And then he comes back and it's like, wow. <laughs> but also uh, Sonny Jin, who plays um, Seri in Crash Landing on You, she's a pretty massive actress of her generation as well. She's absolutely brilliant. She's done a lot of stuff where she's just been kind of hustling away, you know, just like working away, chipping away at, at, you know, obviously the big time, which is her big moment in Crash Landing on You. And she makes that entire experience her own in Crash Landing on You. She just captivates. It's amazing to see. She's perfect for that role. She really sort of brings that role to life just the whole uh, businesswoman and how she is and how she reacts to ending up in North Korea um, with that sort of like South mentality um, and yeah, (laughs) ending up in a very small town also. So talking about story, um, historically uh, in Crash Landing on You and other dramas that are of this ilk, we've got this kind of approach usually where there is this male heir this generational heir of a dynasty um and uh called a chabol usually of a rich conglomerate or some kind of huge company or business and what we see in crash landing on you is the kind of opposite of that well not quite the opposite because I, I think you been in uh, Secret Garden played a, a, this kind of chable, didn't he, as well? Yeah. But actually in Crash Landing on You, 
it is it's Seri who is the chabel in this and uh, she is a, a an arrogant bitch they usually portrayed these men in these dramas as being arrogant mean assholes and in crash landing on you she is a prime time asshole to start with she's awful to her staff she's awful to everybody um and yeah that has become a kind of trope in korean dramas where you see this but usually it's a man playing this role and korea is a country that is driven by status so we've got this sort of woman in 2019 um seri who runs her own business she's doing her own thing she's really amazing but she's an asshole but also she's a celebrity and you know this is a really big trope in Korea they really love this celebrity status level um, and yeah I mean she does it so well it's it's uh, it's flawless so whether they're making some kind of philosophical statement um, which is a little bit like a drama that I'm watching at the moment, whose name shall remain nameless. Um, we've got this this kind of sea change, right? This woman, she's in control, blah, blah, blah. But actually, at that point in the drama where she gets lost and ends up in North Korea, boom, that's when her entire journey begins literally anything that happened up to that point is just filler um, and everything that happens after that point is gold absolute gold it's amazing watching her hold her own on this journey that she's on in North Korea is just gripping We'll talk about the others in a minute, but yeah, certainly uh, Hyun Bin is uh, amazing to look at. He is super eye candy. He is great. He's amazing, but she is really the the total driver of the dynamic in this 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 part of Crash Landing on You. Um, it's all about her, really. He is just nice to look at. With his broad shoulders so she's the salt queen of this entire piece being an arrogant bitch and all that kind of stuff until we meet sodan oh yeah sodan wow played by soji hi she is uh, an incredibly complex and amazing character what do you think dex what is your experience of her in Crash Landing on You? She is definitely uh, a different level of salty. For me, it's her eyes. The first time we see her eyes, she is so expressive. Uh, I love her. I love her bitchy attitude and sort of like, she doesn't take crap from anyone and she just do things her own way. I love that about her. I mean, she's just incredible. Um, again, someone else who literally sucks the air out of the, the space that she's in. No one can compete with her. And you think like her mum is going to be the biggest bitch. Actually, nothing could be further from the truth. <laughs> yeah. Because so Dan is so vulnerable. She It just makes her so complex. And that vulnerability 
and that complexity just makes watching her a pleasure um, because you just want to know more. Yeah, she's super vulnerable, isn't she? Yeah. Yeah, that's. I mean, it looks on the surface she is this mega strong female, but she's also very scared and and not really sure about things. And so in the beginning, she's supposed to be getting married to Hyun Bin's character, Captain Ri. Yep. Again, this is another slight trope in K-dramas because there's sometimes the involvement of parental influence on who ends up being your sort of life partner or husband or wife, right? And it's actually through the eyes of Seri that we start to see that there are cracks in that relationship between Captain Ri and Sodan and that there is no love there. Um, Yeah, it's really sad. I remember that there's a point, isn't there, where uh, Captain Bree is asked by Seri whether his first love was somebody that he met at school, because I suppose that's the usual route of falling in love for most people, regardless of where they live. Um, But, when he sort of answers, I think he sort of answers uh, that either he's never been in love or the answer is no, you start to realise then that he was never in love with uh, Sodan, um, even though on her side she's totally into him and on his side it's completely unrequited. Aww. So this makes Sodan really fragile. She's brittle. She's very brittle. And this helps her to go on her journey and her journey is no spoilers (laughs) Um, fairly unresolved to be honest she's lost the man of her dreams Jesus Christ can you imagine losing Yun Bin oh my god I I think they had like four dates in seven years or something and that's all over now <laughs> by the time Seri shows up. I mean, let's face it, Captain Rhee is the man of everyone's dreams. <laughs> In this. Oh my God. You have to remember that this is taking place in North Korea. Just everything is so unreal. So we start to build this whole picture about the social status and uh, political, economic socio-economic status and position in North Korea off the back of some hot (laughs) captain (laughs) it's not real the oppressive political situation really only comes out in little vignettes with the other characters that are in North Korea um, throughout Seri's time there with uh, Captain Rui and Sodan and Alberto Gu the tyranny of the Kims doesn't even get a mention. So let's talk about this con man guy who appears on the scene. Thank you. <laughs> he's, he's pretty much parachuted in effectively, right? From China, because that's the back door to North Korea. Also, Sodan comes, flies in from Russia, doesn't she? Which is also, I guess, the back door. <laughs> And so then we start to see this slow-burning 
relationships start to emerge between Sodan and Alberto Gu um, played perfectly by Kim Jong-hyun. Do we love him instantly when we see him or what? I think I think I watched this drama mostly because of uh, Sodan and, and uh, yeah, Alberto Gu and that's his very stupid and sort of like what is he? He's an um oh what is what's his cover? He's um He's a British passport holder, isn't he? Or a diplomat. Diplomat, yeah. Diplomat, yes. Because that would be the only way that he can get into North Korea. Yeah, that's that's at least how they think, uh, or the North Koreans see that he is there. But um, I love that character. He is funny. He is on point, and he is always sort of like super charming, but has no clue what is going on mm. usually. And it's kind of, kind of maybe not the best background or the happiest background and i think that com- that sort of like draws so then and done in a little bit that he's not the perfect um guy like captain reese oh. <laughs> <laughs> i have to keep stopping and going like that because when you look at these two men as characters, they're perfectly mirroring each other. Uh, Captain Rhee actually is so deeply flawed and he he doesn't show it at all. And Alberto Gu is so deeply flawed and uses a massive amount of bravado. Let's look at Captain Rhee. He had to leave Switzerland before he was a captain and this perfect lifestyle that he had in Switzerland and go back to North Korea. Yep. And that's actually a nod to a couple of the Kims because they did their education in Switzerland. Uh, certainly, you know, the, the leader of North Korea did his education in Switzerland um, just down the road from here. And we see that effectively through the eyes of Captain Rhee, you know. So for Captain Rhee to go to Switzerland and train to be this world-class pianist I said pianist. Uh, it's kind of amazing, but very kind of almost a flavour of of a, a, a sort of social statement on North Korea. Because I mean, I don't know what Mr. Kim's strong suit is or was, but. Um, you know, he ends up being a North Korean dictator and Captain Rhee's amazing piano skills involve him spending his time at the DMZ in the 38th parallel. And then we've got this other character, Alberto Gu, who is born in a family where they work really hard. His father's company, or he works for Seri's dad and is completely exploited and both his parents end up dying and he is just left to to sort of pick up the pieces and try and make his own way through life so he doesn't have any of that privilege he has to bravado that privilege and so to exact his revenge or avenge his parents suffering he does what what is a pretty brave move and that is he, he slides into Ceres DMs 
all that time ago and they work up a relationship for a period of time where they end up getting engaged she breaks off the engagement this is like long before crash landing on you's present story happens but we see flashbacks of it and actually he becomes a pretty pivotal person in her life while she's in North Korea believe it or not not least because there's just two South Koreans sort of trapped and lost in North Korea so on its most base level it's about familiarity but on its sort of bigger level it's about I suppose revenge Towards the end of the series, we realise that he actually doesn't care about anything or anyone apart from the memories that he's got of his family and so Dan. That's all he cares about. So the first time he claps eyes on so Dan, he feels the way we all do in Crash Landing on You. We just can't take our eyes off of her and neither can he. I mean, he's literally enamoured by her because... Well, she doesn't give a shit about him. <laughs> and she's really rude to him. And all of this stuff that we just talked about, about the Chabol heiress and blah, blah, is all personified inside Sodan. Sodan just don't give a you-know-what about anything. Especially not him. Alberto Gu is a con artist, and he's well-versed in being able to draw people into his influence and into his favour. And... Uh, yeah, so Dan's not interested in that. She doesn't care. Um, and that makes him want her more. Which is great. And he's quite a douchebag, isn't he? Well, yes, a little bit. Uh, but, I, I mean, the whole thing that he loves so Dan is also... I can understand why he instantly fall for her as because of she how she treats him. Because he also did kind of the same thing with like uh, Seri when she is uh, when he tried to get her to uh, marry her. I mean, he is very sort of no, I'm not gonna marry you. This is uh, not a thing that uh, I'm interested in. And she's very sort of like strong woman, uh, and this is him, and that's how he's like. I'm actually a little bit interested in you now, uh, and I think. That's how Sodan is kicking into his heart very quickly because, yeah, he she has the same thing, but even maybe a little bit more of it. It's important to note that uh, Crash Landing on You is split into two parts. The first part is the experience of Seri and Captain Rhee and all of the North Korean dudes in North Korea. And then the second part of Crash Landing on You is about Seri, Captain Rhee, and all of the North Korean dudes in South Korea. Um, there's a moment, isn't there, that, that everything changes from about episode 10, and we go from this wonderful, simple life in North Korea into this busy-ass... Uh, you know, noisy, <laughs> m- metropolitan metropolis uh, in South Korea. So Hein Bin is not on his own. He's got this cute little troop with him. 
the dudes from North Korea and obviously Lieutenant Park who is so hot and the point about him is you know the character arc is that he doesn't realize it that he looks like he's in a Korean boy band he's that hot um which you would expect from someone from North Korea right so anyway while he's in North Korea he's at the DMZ which is the 38th parallel and he's got this little little troop um who support him and love him and and uh, will do anything for him literally will die for him so we get this feeling of this sort of deep connection that he's got and this brotherliness that follows him and carries him through into South Korea um, and this new world that these guys see when they come over to South Korea from North Korea we get to feel that yeah. through the eyes of the screenwriter, we get to feel that kind of out fish out of water otherworldliness of discovering things that we totally take for granted like um, uh, Ramion for example these things, they're just not instantly available, I guess, in the way that they are in South Korea compared to, to you know, the, the scarcity of them in North Korea. So it's really interesting to see the world that we take for granted yep. through their eyes. And the South Koreans have got it so easy and so cushy and they've got all this money and the differences are so stark yeah. they're so amplified on screen that the payoff is like amazing um, that, that is another great reason to watch it as well you know if you're not there for kind of the love story be there for the sort of anthropological journey <laughs> and poor Siri tries really hard to assimilate into that life in North Korea and then she goes to South Korea, goes home to South Korea and realises that she's been an absolute idiot and uh, she's treated everybody like crap. She's been super arrogant and she doesn't deserve like all of the... I mean, she does deserve the success that she's had, but she doesn't feel like she really deserves it comparatively to her North Korean friends. So Captain Rhee has tried to get her out of North Korea several times. These have been failed uh, exercises and, uh, you know, her, her final sort of act of getting over into, um, getting across the DMZ in the 38th parallel actually pays off and she goes over to sort of South Korea. But it is with so much pain that we see these two separate. It's just so hard. Because the short time that they've been together, probably like a month, has been so intense. They've had to live together and, and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and, and then they're separated suddenly by this big sort of demilitarized void. But for the time that she was in North Korea, they've had to work out the differences really quickly. And they do it very well. I mean, it all happens in the space of, you know, uh, an episode. Captain Rhee is a total man in the first few episodes and then, and I kind of, I kind of uh, remember you like messaging me on Discord about it and uh, saying that there was like a, a, a switch that was flipped pretty quickly 
between like two episodes where one minute he's a total guy, he's like a real man, he's totally masculine, and the next minute he's eating out of her hand. It's insane. One minute he's like, I don't care about you, blah, 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 you're breaking the law, blah, blah, blah. And then the next minute he has fallen for her heart and there's not a thing that he can do about it. Same with Sodan and Alberto Gu. The way that those two get locked into each other and it happens literally in the blink of an eye, we don't even notice it. And so then as viewers, we go on this massive roller coaster of a journey where we're just spending 16 episodes or one hour and uh, 25 minutes a week of just watching these people falling for each other, falling in love. And they know they're not supposed to, but they can't help it. But what we haven't talked about is there is a point in Crash Landing on You where we see a flashback to Seri and we start to uncover her vulnerabilities. And we realize that she doesn't want to live anymore plain and simple she goes to switzerland with the idea of ending her life it's awful she's not loved by her stepmother her family are always at war her dad's done some time in jail for some kind of trumped up charge and she's literally alone in herself the celebrities that she's involved with and she's on the front cover of like every magazine and in every online gossip column these these dudes are all losers they don't give her anything she's just an empty vessel so she decides to go to switzerland to end it all literally she's done and we see through these flashbacks that there is more than meets the eye with Captain Rui and Seri. So full disclosure, I live in Switzerland. And so if she's going to some kind of establishment to end her life, it's not as simple as just walking off of a plane from South Korea and walking into somewhere like Dignitas and saying, right, I've decided I'm gonna end my life today. You have to go through a few hoops. But the problem is, is that it's really cringy because the, the the psychiatrist or whomever gives her this brochure and says hey why don't you spend some time like going around switzerland first and then and most people change their minds when they've been around switzerland like tourist 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 uh product placement advertisement etc um but she does she goes around switzerland and she goes to sigrisville and uh you know she goes to Iselwald and that's when she has a sort of Damascene conversion, let's call it that. And so she goes around Switzerland and she keeps bumping into Captain Ree! But she doesn't know it's Captain Ree, of course. Um, yeah, I think whole um, Captain Ree, you get him a lot from seeing all the sort of kind of snippets in the end. Yeah, those kinds of um, flashbacks. Yeah, exactly. That's how you sort of gets how much he really likes her because you get his view of a lot of the yeah early stuff through those tiny snippets yeah so don't miss them don't think the episode is over and just sort of skip to the next one watch the tiny snippet in the end otherwise it's going to be less of a good <laughs> drama i guess 
I think that's so clever. Yeah. That's a really good point because the first time I've watched it, mm. these these moments were completely out of context for me because Netflix, of course, gets you to the end of the episode and then you don't get to yeah. see the preview of the next ep- episode. It just moves you to the next episode. So I was missing these snippets. I mean, there's like a good four minutes at the end of each episode that I was completely missing because Netflix was just cutting them off. So my advice would be go back and watch um, Crash Landing on You again and make sure you see those bits at the end because they're really important. Just like if you were going to watch like an Avengers film or something. (laughs) Same thing. Had I not seen that, I would not have known the whole like context of why she felt the way that she did and, and how, also how he felt as well. So it's kind of like integral to the entire plot. Um, I don't know what you think, Dex. I think also that's in one of those is where you get to see uh, Captain Rhee's um, sort of view on how he meets her when she has crash landed in Korea or North Korea for the first time because you only get to see it from her perspective in the actual episode and so because of that I think in the first Uh, 10 episodes you get to see North Korea through her eyes and then South Korea through mm. his eyes in the remaining episodes and then all of the bits that that you feel like you should get to see are all in those flashbacks I guess one of the things we've got to mention which we haven't mentioned is that there is a bad guy in it. <laughs> then be a bad guy. And he's a really bad guy, isn't he? He is uh, definitely not the nice guy. I mean, he's uh, he's he's very determined um, and holds a grudge very long, apparently. I think he played that part really well, and I think he does bad guy really good, um, which you know. You can't say that too often in Korean dramas. Yep. And also it's important to say that the people that you see in this Korean drama or any Korean drama really, you're going to see in other Korean dramas. It's just, that's just the way it is. When I first started watching Korean dramas, I thought there was only 10 actors. And it's just ridiculous because I guess, you know, when these dramas being advertised to you, you watch them and you just, you're really just seeing the same 10 like actors over and over again. And you think that's it. (laughs) But I really hope we get to see a bit more of him because I thought he was a really great bad guy. And in Korean dramas, there's always a comedy foil. Well, there's a few in Crash Landing on You, but actually the, the sort of big one is The Bumbling Fool, and that's uh, So Dan's uncle. Uh, he's just, uh, uh, yeah, a fool. Yeah, and I guess uh, from, like, um, Captain Rhee's team, um, oh. military team, I guess they're sort of like the comical acts. I really want to watch it again now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking, oh, they're all really nice. Uh, but I'm also thinking about Lieutenant Park, you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. Tell me, Dex. What is your personal opinion about Crash Landing on You? How does it compare to other K-dramas? And uh, just generally, how do you feel about it? I don't think the, for me at least, the South-North part is super important. I do like that 
they show a lot like the North uh, Koreans are happier than the South Koreans, not because they're North or South. For me, it's more that, yes, money can't bring you happiness, it's the people around you that get you happiness. And this is what the drama very well sort of shows. Um, I think it's a good drama overall. I definitely would watch it again if I run out of stuff to watch. <laughs> Uh, which is not going to happen anytime soon. No. <laughs> um, and I, I totally love the second couple. Yeah. They, they. I mean, I'm, I'm madly in love with them. So I would watch it again. Them, so. But you know what? Also, I feel like the second story, the second like story arc between So Dan and Alberto Goose is so good, and like um, a drama that we've been watching recently it it's really a shame mm. that that story isn't fully fleshed out like the way that we want it to be because the emphasis obviously is on Captain Marie and uh, Seri in Crash Landing on You and not so Dan and Alberto Goo I had so many questions at the end of that series about the second story that um yeah, I, I felt a little bit cheated out of uh, a proper ending. And I really wanted them to have their own spin-off story, but they can't. <laughs> I need to get over it. Now, you and me have been friends for a while, and we watch Korean dramas, like, a lot together. Um, we also watch Chinese dramas, Taiwanese dramas, Japanese dramas. But Korean dramas, particularly have like specific oh, yeah. tropes that you will only ever see in Korean dramas really. In fact, <laughs> the other dramas take the, the piss out of Korean dramas. If you watch, you know, um, Lost Romance, yep. <laughs> for example. But you and me have a drinking game that we've kept going for a little while now, where each time we see one of these tropes in a Korean drama, we have to drink. Yep. <laughs> I'm not advocating drinking. <laughs> it doesn't have to be alcoholic. So my question is, how drunk were you when you were watching Crash Landing on You? <laughs> Based on the drinking game that we've been running for the last couple of years. Number one, the piggyback ride. Was there a piggyback ride in Crash Landing on You? There were no piggyback rides. As far as I... Yes, there were. Yes, there was a piggyback ride. Drink. But it wasn't the main couple. Correct. Was no, it wasn't the yep. main couple. Was water thrown in anyone's face? Hmm. There probably was at some point, but I don't remember it, actually. I think there was. It was either with Sodan's mum or with those bitchy girls around that table in uh, Pyongyang. Yeah. What about amnesia? Was there any amnesia in this? Uh, did anybody lose their memory? No, they didn't lose the memory, at least in the actual uh, drama that we saw. Did anyone go into hospital in this drama? <laughs> what a stupid yeah. question. And they did get an IV. Because <laughs> everyone gets an IV in Korea. Everyone gets an yeah, IV drama. in Korea. Everyone. Yeah. Was there some kind of chable love affair? You know, like rich guy and poor girl. 
think both of both the couples uh, have that kind of sort of switched because both of the females are pretty well. I, I don't know if so done is successful, but she has uh, studied and apparently is a good violinist, was she? Yeah. Um, they are sort of like big powerhouse women, and the guys are the sort of. I mean, Captain Ree isn't really uh, poor, but uh, he's rich for yeah, North Korea. And Albert Goo's got a lot of money, hasn't he? Well, I mean, he—he he, yeah, he does have a lot of money, but uh, not of it is uh, legally obtained, perhaps. So yeah, I like that they have that kind of switch on both of them, actually. I cried when he gave that money to that kid in the market. No spoilers. I was like, oh, your whole life has been about yeah. money. And now that you know your life is about to end, you don't care about money anymore. Yeah. So sad. No. Right, so let's look at some fab facts about the show. This isn't a fab fact, but when you film a TV series, you film based on the location that you're at rather than the scenes that that sort of naturally follow each other. So instead of shooting a, a series in, in episodes one, two, three, four, or in scenes one, two, three, four, you might do it in scene one, four, three, two. Um, and that's what happened with uh, the final scene of, of Crash Landing on You was filmed first. So naturally, at the beginning of the, the filming, there wasn't as much chemistry between the two main actors as there was at the end. We'll explain why in a moment. But um, so because of that, and, and by the way, they filmed it in Switzerland, which is where I live. And uh, I happened to see the entire crew, I guess, and some of the cast when I was minding my own business uh, one afternoon in August or September at a nearby spa. <laughs> that fact. <laughs> um, but yeah, they didn't have any chemistry at the beginning. But by the end of the shoot, they had loads of chemistry. Dex is now going to tell us why. It took quite some time, right? Um, well, quite some time that we know. But then, yeah, I mean, it took some time for them to actually make it public. But both, um, both the main actors do have a relationship now with each other. So Hyunbin and Sonny G, they are together as a couple. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, I think that makes the whole thing also very believable. Uh, I mean, a lot of the sort of, when they're kissing in the boat, for example, they make that look very natural. They're actors, you know. Well, true, but but then again, I've watched so many uh, Chinese dramas now, and there are some people that need to learn how to kiss in those. They don't pull up. Actually, you mentioned a really funny thing that happened yep. <laughs> as well in Switzerland, where she's on the boat. And he's playing the piano on the pontoon uh, overlooking the lake. What did you notice, Dex? Yeah. <laughs> the people in the background are walking around in t-shirts and it's definitely summer. 
when they recorded this. It's there's the snow must be uh, definitely fake, and there is no doubt about it. Because yeah, try and look at all the sort of wintry, cold scenes, or they're trying to produce or show it as cold, and then look at what people in the background is wearing. It's hilarious. Exactly. So what they had to do at the end of the shoot was yeah. they had to reshoot this little bit where they're either on this, you know, that picnicy hilly meadow, um, loving each other. That's <laughs> what they had to pick up again because the first time that they did it, there wasn't any chemistry, and at the end of the shoot, they were together as a couple. So there was loads of chemistry. They denied that they were together at the end of the shoot, but we know the truth. And they're not the only crash landing on you couple either. So they did it with the green screen um, and they uh, didn't go back to Switzerland. They did all the rest of the filming in Korea or, or Mongolia or, uh, you know, somewhere else. And uh, anyway, I love it that they're together and I think they're going to have absolutely gorgeous babies if that's something that they're kind of into. But actually they are in a bit of a predicament because they're a little bit older. Uh, both of them, they're pushing 40 or something. Being Korean actors, they're definitely a, a sort of like slightly older. Anyway, moving on, Mongolia was the location for some of those demilitarized zone scenes in North Korea scenes. Well, that um, and um, Jeju Island, they did some in some natural forest there also, I think. So that scene where she was running through the forest was probably filmed in Jeju. Yeah, so if you want to go to uh, North Korea, you just have to go to one of those locations instead. It's easier. Probably. <laughs> now, we'll talk about this in a future episode, but you and me are absolutely die-hard fans of Goblin, right? Yes. And until Crash Landing on You aired on TVN, the biggest series that they had was Goblin. And Crash Landing on You came along and boom, it trounced Goblin in the ratings. So what actually did happen to the ratings when Crash Landing on You released? Parent hit it, uh, what do you say? Sub, uh, oh God, English, uh, not my first language. Uh, <laughs> it broke the, um, the ratings or the record for the highest rated uh, TV show. So, yeah. It's mad, isn't it, that it broke the record? It's mad, but I can totally see why. And I did spend a long, long time telling people about Crash Landing on You, how amazing it was, how everybody should watch it. And I discovered, like, last week or something, that it's been taken off Netflix. It's been taken off Netflix in Switzerland. I don't know if it's the rest of the world, but I was gutted. So it's done its thing. It's, you know, changed the way that we watch Korean dramas in the West. And all we've got are the memories of Captain Rhee, you know, watering a tomato plant. <laughs> Seriously, though, you can pretty much watch Crash Landing on You anywhere, except Netflix. No, no. But it's probably on the most stream or drama streaming platforms. So. Yeah, but I can I can kind of understand why it broke the record in a way because I mean a lot of the now I'm going to generalize it a bit but a lot of the Korean uh, watchers probably prefer this one over like Goblin because this one has two equally uh, <laughs> equally aged people falling in love and there is like successful and there's a lot of like interesting stuff 
whereas Goblin, there is an age difference there that probably isn't super, uh, yeah, then the Korean people might not be super happy about that age difference between them. Well, but I suppose we'll talk about that in a future episode. Yeah, exactly. We'll get to that eventually. President of South Korea indicated that he was a massive fan of the show. I think that's kind of cool, but yeah. I come from the UK and I don't really know if I want Boris Johnson to like a show if I made a Korean drama, right? Um, I'm not that politically driven. Yeah. However, not everybody loved it. Can you guess who didn't like it? Got a lot of shit from people, especially regarding the portrayal of North Korea. And according to North Korean defector turned YouTuber and reality TV celebrity Kang Nara, around 60% of the portrayal of North Korea is accurate. So, yeah. Mm, that's not too bad. That's not a damning indictment of Crash Landing on You, for sure. But it's the B minus, isn't it? Yeah. Speaking of someone who lives in the West, though, that's me. And uh, speaking of someone who doesn't live in the West anymore, that's you, Dex. We are having a conversation between Switzerland and Singapore today. Yeah. I can only use my imagination to think about what North Korea is really like. And yeah. by the looks of things, there is, you know, at least 40% of creative license yeah. in crash landing on you. I want to believe it, though. And I mean, I think uh, at least most of us uh, know that this is not a 100% sort of accurate portray. Uh, I mean, we wouldn't think about that in any drama, probably, because it's a drama, it's not a documentary, so... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you're from the area where the bridge was filmed. I have not seen the bridge. <laughs> the bridge is pretty accurate, really. Okay. It's a Scandi Noir series, if anybody's ever yeah. seen it, and uh, I mean, it's not that great. Um, and it's not that great because uh, it's filmed in Malmo and Copenhagen. Um, as cities, they aren't great. <laughs> hey, I love Malmo. <laughs> Moving on <laughs> so as not to insult Malmo anymore. Anyway. <laughs> um, it's kind of based on a true story. Actress uh, Jung Yang had a 2008 accident and she was on water near the 38th parallel rather than on land which is where seri obviously parachuted or paraglided got into difficulty and landed in the 38th parallel of the dmz which is where seri crash landed and also you know they actually say crash landed or crash landing on you in the actual drama and when it happens it's one of those m moments where you just sort of go they said it I think it's Captain Rhee who says something like, well, if it wasn't for you crash landing on me or something like that. On the 9th of January, I guess 2020, the Conservative Christian Liberty Party from South Korea, in case you're wondering, filed a police complaint under the premise that the drama had violated national security law. I really like NIS as well in this. It claims that the drama has only depicted North Korean soldiers in a peaceful way and that South Korean citizens have been incited by the TV series. I mean, suggesting that, you know, um, North Korean soldiers are not kick-ass. Uh, I don't know. I think that um, Captain Rhee is like a little bit on the aggressive at the beginning of Crash Landing on You. 
and he doesn't really look like the kind of dude that you would mess with too much apart from his beautiful face and for the most part in crash landing on you the soldiers are ripped and hot <laughs> so make of that what you will i mean i think if you're a soldier or soldiers in general aren't really peaceful not most now here's some Switzerland facts for you. Nobody gets a train from Zurich's Paradeplatz all the way down to Interlaken unless you're completely mad. First of all, you can't because it's a tram stop. So unless um, Sodan is going to stay in the Savoy Olac Hotel, we don't know. She just awkwardly falls off the tram. Um, but I, I never really understood what the connection was between Paradeplatz and then suddenly everybody being in Sigurdsville or Iselwald. So um, I don't, I think, you know, basically take it from me. You can't catch a train down to Interlaken from the center of Zurich. And also it's a really rich part of town. That part of town is like, you're surrounded by banks. You've got the Savoy Lac, and underneath that is Harry Winston Jewels. I mean, it's all going on. You can't walk around Switzerland in high heels and that is a fact, you can't do it. It's just not possible. You can't. Anybody who thinks that they can just come here in their Christian Labutans are sorely mistaken. Literally sorely. They're going to have blisters. Don't start wheeling your suitcase around in a pair of skyscraper heels. It's not going to happen for you. And the other Switzerland fact that I wanted to mention is a bit embarrassing. I left my handbag on a chair at the Victoria Jungfrau Hotel where we see like Seri getting out of her limousine to go and have that conversation about the piano recital. Yeah, it, it, it's all like happening there. And uh, I thought that the service there when I was there was absolutely useless and everyone was really rude uh, that day. Um, I have no idea why. And uh, I stormed out in such like fierce defiance. And my husband said, oh, you've left your bag. <laughs> you better go back and get it. Um, I made him go back and get it because I was the one that threw a tantrum. So Ouch. yeah, get a load of me. That's an embarrassing admission. And the final fab fact is that sort of opening interstitial, you know, when they're like passing each other, when they're crossing each other and he's wearing his like, gorgeous uh, uniform and she's wearing her business outfit. I, I'd never do business in that outfit. Um, but anyway, they walk past each other. So point one is that we tried to do it <laughs> um, with hilarious consequences because if you walk in one direction, you end up in someone's garden. If you walk in the other direction, you either end up in a shed or in the river. Um, and they're walking with such like determination that you think, oh, they're really going somewhere. Guys, they're not going anywhere. <laughs> oh, and uh, it's been pointed out to me that each time they cross each other in each episode, they go in a different direction. Captain Me goes in one direction in one episode, so he goes in the opposite direction, and then they switch. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I see that they switch uh, side, but nothing else that I saw. But I guess we need uh, Sean's eye on that one if we want to figure it out completely. So we tried it. We went up to the Lindenhof because we're absolute losers. And we just, just decided to try it. Yeah, we gave it a go. <laughs> did, you, did you rig camera and then both of you walked back and forward? Oh. People must have thought we were right idiots, honestly. <laughs> yeah, we did it all. And we walked back and forth like absolute dicks. And I ended up in a shed. Um, and Sean 
carried on walking until he got in someone's back garden. The lamest part about that whole scene is two regular people trying to do it in the Lindenhof in the centre of Zurich. That's what was lame. I went to all of the locations because I'm such a fangirl. Oh. I went to the pontoon where he played the piano just so I could say I was there. Oh, nice. And uh, yeah, we went to the Lindenhof. Uh, Parada Platz, of course. Um, yeah. Sigrisville and uh, Iselwald and um, uh, Basel. <laughs> And all of those places. Uh, yep. Yeah, like total losers. But <laughs> um, we're going to be doing it again this year, aren't we? Because we're going to meet up in uh, South Korea. And that means only one thing. Well, it means only many things. I uh, I, I do have one more thing. Uh, when you were talking about crash landing on you, uh, the actual sort of like uh, that they said it in the drama. Yeah. I think the actual... Um, the actual translation of it is not crash landing on you. It's what is it's it? Emergency love landing. Oh wow, that's so cringe. That's like so cheesy though. <laughs> no way did they call it that in the West. <laughs> no, they couldn't. I mean, it's, it's like one of those. What are they called? Like Harlequin uh, novels that at least my uh, sort of aunt always read when I was a kid. They were always like debating these. Yeah. Mm, just The final big thing for you and me is when that girl's in the hospital and uh, Seri's trying to win her over so she doesn't get found out by the North Korean authorities. And you know, she, the, the young girl talks about uh, being, uh, well, what is it? B- biggest, biggest army in, in North Korea. Mm-hmm, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Tell me, who's a favourite BTS I'm... member? Hmm? Is it Jungkook? It made my day because I was willing her to say Jungkook and, you know, when she said it, ah, God, I just got all the feels. <laughs> and, you know, it just brings all of my boyfriend dungeon fantasies to life. Boyfriend dungeon is a game. And I've always wanted to see a BTS version of this game. <laughs> so that I can enjoy Jungkook. So I don't know if any of the developers are listening, you know, (laughs) Dex and I both work in video games and uh, if we can throw ourselves on your mercy (laughs) to hook us up with a BTS version of Boyfriend Dungeon, we'd be really grateful. Be surprised if they would make it because, I mean, it does sound like something that would fit right into their sort of concept, I guess. One million percent. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> tell us what's coming up in next week's podcast. Next week, we are going to start with one of the first, because yes, there will be more than one of this one. One of the first uh, episodes, or not episodes of the drama, but episodes of the podcast about the untamed, the notorious Chinese uh, BL that we all love <gasps> oh oh god can I just say that we're starting really strong with this podcast yeah. there's just no way that anybody can touch us in terms of our ability to <laughs> identify the best dramas coming out of Korea China Taiwan and Japan so we're going to China next week 
and we're going to be covering the first kind of portion or snippet because it's massive right yeah so we're going to spread it out over loads of episodes i'm literally so excited i'm going to go and watch it right now so thank you dex thank you i really enjoyed it yes so did i it was really fun and you can download kissing without lips wherever good pods are casted thanks for listening Thank you.